Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has incredible podcasts like the Salesman Podcast hosted by Will Barron. Now, if you work in sales, you want to learn how to sell, or you want to peek at some of the latest sales news and insights, you need to listen to the Salesman Podcast the host, Will Barron, helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. If you think any of the following topics resonate with you, you're going to love the show. How to find and close your dream job in sales, 12 essential principles of selling, digital body language, how to have better Zoom sales meetings, or how to tell a remarkable sales story. If these are topics that would interest you, go check out the Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcast or at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Today, my guest is Paul Shapiro. He is the CEO of Better Meat Co. He's also a national best-selling author of Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. He is a four-time TEDx speaker. He is the host of the Business for Good podcast. He's a longtime leader in food sustainability. The company that he founded and runs, The Better Meat Co., uses fermentation to turn microbes into meat within hours, creating a far more sustainable and humane method of satisfying our meat tooth uh, compared to raising and slaughtering animals for food. He's been interviewed by hundreds of news outlets from CNN to Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson as an authority on food and agriculture sustainability. He's also published hundreds of articles 
in publications ranging from daily newspapers like the Washington Post to pop side publications like Scientific American to magazines like Fortune to academic journals. We spoke about his story, how he got into sustainability, how he decided to start Better Meat Co., what Better Meat Co. is trying to accomplish when there's so many other options like Beyond Meat and all these other meat alternative companies that are starting up. We spoke about uh, meat alternatives, Better Meat Co.'s product and how it compares to real meat in terms of nutrients, in terms of taste testing, all the things that are basically going to be the main factor in whether or not the company is successful. He has some surprising results. We also spoke about building a company in a blue ocean. So meat alternatives is not a market that is enormous right now. It's growing, but it's just getting there. So finding the talents, finding the scientists, finding the investors, a lot of early stage blue ocean startup strategies that Paul had to navigate when he was building Better Meat Co. So let's jump right into it. Uh, This is Paul Shapiro, best-selling author, four-time TEDx speaker, and founder, CEO of the Better Meat Co. Awesome. All right. Uh, You know, Scott, I grew up with a love for animals and a love for the planet. Um, And it wasn't until I became like a young teenager, though, that I started learning about, uh, you know, really the fact that we don't really treat animals, especially the animals we raise for food that well. In fact, we treat them pretty deplorably. And uh, raising animals for food is really a big driver in deforestation, climate change, wildlife extinction, animal welfare concerns, pandemic risk, and more. And the problem is that the planet's just not getting any bigger, right? Like humanity's footprint on the planet is getting a lot bigger, but the planet itself isn't getting much bigger. And one of the primary ways that we leave that footprint is really through our food print, principally in the amount of meat that we eat, because raising animals for food takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions and more. And so if you think about the fact that there's nearly 8 billion of us walking around on the planet today, and we're going to have, presuming there's no catastrophe that fails our numbers prior to then, within 30 years, we're going to have another 2 billion added to the planet. So if you think about it, like, you know, we're not going to be farming the uh, moon. We're not going to be farming Mars. We have one planet to farm, right? That's Earth, and it's not getting any bigger. So how can we continue to supply people with the meat that they want to eat without having to destroy the planet in the process? And that is when I, I really started thinking about you know, can we divorce meat production from livestock raising? So it's kind of, Scott, like if you think about, you know, for a very long time, the only way anybody had to get photographs was with, you know, negatives and dark rooms and uh, print photos and so on. And then digital comes along and it still does the same thing, right? It still helps us to capture our memories, but it's done in a way more efficient and better way. Instead of waiting for hours or days to get your photos, you now are waiting zero seconds, really. And That's the same that I think we need to do with meat is to create the same experience. So we're still getting the meat experience. We're still satisfying our meat tooth, so to speak, but without needing to raise all those animals and slaughter all those animals. And so uh, a lot of my life has been devoted to thinking about and uh, exploring how we can continue to create the meat experience without having to raise and slaughter so many animals. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Feedback Loop. Now, if you're a product person, entrepreneur, startup guy like me, you have at some point in your career tried to take a product to market, you've tried to come up with a new idea, and it's fell flat. It's ultimately failed. 85 to 90% of all new products, of all new startup ideas fail. Why is this? 
Basically, it is really hard, really expensive, and really time-consuming to validate product market fit with your potential consumers or customers. Old-style market research is way too slow, too complicated, too time-consuming for dynamic, fast-moving teams that want to build great stuff. But what if you could test out your idea, your product, with your target consumers whenever you want before you invest in the money, time, energy, effort that it takes to actually develop a product? Well, that's what startups all the way through to Fortune 500s are using Feedback Loop for. You get quality feedback from your target customers early and often. Feedback Loop is the test before you invest product research platform. It has built-in expert templates for concept testing, user discovery, prioritizing features on your roadmap, and much more. You can create your own test in minutes and get quality insights from your target consumers in hours. They've set up a special link for everybody who's a Success Story podcast listener to test it out to try it. Go to go.feedbackloop.com slash success. You get three free tests. That's go.feedbackloop.com slash success. You can try it out for free. You get three free tests. So if you want your next product, idea, or feature to be a hit, test before you invest, build based on data, not opinion, and launch with confidence with Feedback Loop. Check it out right now. And walk me through so so that that makes sense now and that's that's where you're at now but walk me through um your i guess your career perhaps i want to understand uh how you decided to start your own thing but also how you decided to to start your thing and something you're passionate about was this the first thing you went into or did you try uh other other iterations of entrepreneurship and then failed and i want to understand that as well because i want to tee up um not everybody builds a business that is is like a socially conscious business and does it successfully because i find that that's a, a challenge in and of itself like you aren't just building another software product taking it to that's market right. um you're you're sort of building a product as an industry emerges which is a challenge so yeah walk me back a little bit and help me understand like where you came from sure. and and that will sort of tee up how you how you got here yeah sure you know as a young teenager i became really interested and, and concerned about how we feed humanity and what we're doing to the planet and to animals in the process. And that led me down a path of working for 20 years in the nonprofit space, mainly working on public policy reforms as a lobbyist in order to try to pass laws to improve agricultural sustainability, to improve animal welfare, especially the welfare of animals who are raised for food. And that career, I, I think, was uh, I, I'm proud of it. At the same time, it became very clear to me um, especially starting around like 2013, 14, and 15, I became more and more concerned that maybe innovation and technology would do more to solve these food and agriculture sustainability problems than nonprofit charities could. And while I was glad to be helping to create a better system through passage of laws and so on, I just started thinking, you know, if you look back, for example, at the whaling problem. Like in the 19th century, we were all lighting our homes with whale oil. And it was a real concern. People were writing letters to the editor in 19th century newspapers about the extinction of whales because they were so concerned about it. But what ended up freeing whales from harpoons was not sustainability concerns. It was the invention of kerosene. And kerosene provided a cheaper, cleaner way for us to light our homes. Similarly, we used to live pluck geese so that we could write. In fact, interestingly enough, Thomas Jefferson had an entire flock of geese. He was such a prolific writer. He had such a, he had a whole flock of geese just to live pluck them to, so he could write all these letters he was writing. And you know, it's a very barbaric practice, very cruel to the animals. But 
uh, you know, nobody stopped live plucking geese because they were concerned about the geese. They stopped because metal fountain pens were invented. Uh, similarly, there's a big concern about the treatment of horses back in the 19th century for labor purposes, because uh, we, you know, under the threat of whipping them, we forced them to carry us and our goods all around. That was the primary method of transportation. But, you know, we didn't stop abusing horses because we cared about them. We stopped because cars were invented and we had a better way to transport ourselves. So you look at all of these sustainability and humane problems, and time and time again, they're being solved not by humane sentiment, not by sustainability concerns, but by technological innovation that renders the old system totally obsolete. And so I started getting more and more concerned that maybe innovation and technology would do even more than what I was doing in the nonprofit sector. And as a result, I wrote a book on that topic. And the book is called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner in the World, and explores this basic thesis that Maybe there is a faster way to solve this problem of our humanity's addiction to meat. And the book is a pop sci book. It's not technical, really. It's a pop sci book that explores and chronicles the race between the entrepreneurs, the investors, and the scientists who are all racing to commercialize the world's first slaughter free meat. And after writing that book, I had a decision to make. I had just written this book and gone on a book tour to talk about these great entrepreneurs who I thought would end up saving the world. And I could continue simply to write about the people who I thought were going to solve this problem, or I could become one of them myself. And I chose the latter path. And that's why I co-founded The Better Meat Co. with my first uh, startup that I had ever done. In fact, my first time really in the for-profit world. I'd spent two decades in the nonprofit world. And now here I was at the very beginning of 2018, deciding to start a for-profit company but as you mentioned correctly, Scott, a for-profit company that is has a much higher mission than making a profit. In fact, I'd argue that profit is a byproduct of what we're doing. Obviously, we have to make money. We won't survive if we don't. But the real purpose of what we're doing is trying to solve a serious social problem. Just in the same way that, for example, companies that are trying to make solar panels more efficient. They have a goal. Of course, they want to make money. But the way they make money is by solving a serious world problem, by you know making renewable energy more efficient and cheaper than fossil fuels. Well, what we're trying to do is similar. We're trying to create a the equivalent of renewable energy in the food space by getting protein with a far, far, far smaller footprint on the planet than is needed by raising and slaughtering animals for meat. Now, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Grin. Now, Grin is the number one creator management platform, helping e-commerce brands connect with their audience through the power of creator partnerships. Now, influencer marketing, it's easy to get lost in the spreadsheets and busy work, combing through a messy web of communications, looking for content, wondering about campaigns, are they delivering, where are the data points, have you shipped the creative yet, have you shipped the product yet, uh, have they billed, have they invoiced, all of the headache that comes with managing creators and influencers, that's where Grin comes in. So Grin is an all-in-one software that allows you to treat your creators like your brand revolves around them, even though you're actually saving yourself a ton of headache. Grin helps you find and recruit the perfect ambassadors for your brand, streamlines the communication process, collects all the creator content in one spot, tracks the ROI in real time so you can create smarter campaigns 
that drive sales. With Grin, one person can do the work of an entire team. You can find and recruit influencers, communicate with them, ship product, aggregate creator content, measure ROI all in one spot. You are maximizing every dollar you invest in influencer marketing and you are eliminating all of the headache, all of the busy work. Brands like Liquid IV, First Aid Beauty, Movement, they all run influencer marketing campaigns at scale and work with thousands of creators at the same time. They're all using Grin. So you need to treat your creators like your brand revolves around them because in the creator economy, it does. Experts believe that influencer marketing will become a $15 billion industry by 2022. So this isn't going away anytime soon. You have to figure out how to use influencers and creators at scale. Find out how Grin can help you grow your brand. Watch the demo at grin.co. That's G-R-I-N dot C-O. Influencer marketing is easier with Grin. Find out why at grin.co. That's G-R-I-N dot C-O. And as you did that, as you jumped into entrepreneurship, like you don't have a, like you, you mentioned the book is even a pop side book. So you don't have like a science background. You don't have a, a technical background. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine, like walk me through your head, what you're thinking is you're like, okay, I have to figure out how to create lab grown meat. Like, I don't even, I don't even know where I'd start. Like for a regular for-profit company, I'd go find a developer or I'd go, you know, I'd go pitch investors. I don't know who does this. Who does, who does this? Yeah. Well, you know, this is like a, a principle of entrepreneurship that I firmly believe in, which is to surround yourself with people who are a lot smarter than you are. So I, I may be the face of the Better Meat Co., but I am certainly not the brain behind it. There are numerous brains that are far, far, far superior to mine who know a lot more about microbiology and, and tissue. Uh, they know a lot more about things like fermentation science and so on. So uh, that's step one. Um, but I will say, you know, if you read Queen Meat, one of the things that you notice is that many of the people who I talk about in the book are not people who are seasoned entrepreneurs are not people who have PhDs. Many of the entrepreneurs are people who just wanted to make a difference. So I'll give you an example. There's a company today, it's called Perfect Day. They were founded in 2014 by some people who were in their early 20s who had never even met. In their early 20s, they never even met. They just met online in virtual chat rooms and they decided they want to start a company together. Well, one thing leads to another. They end up raising millions of dollars. And today they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Seven years later, these guys are still in their 20s today, in their 20s today, seven years later, after raising literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And their company is doing really cool things. They're making, um, they're basically making milk proteins without cows at all. So they're using fermentation to make real milk proteins like whey protein without the need for cows. Uh, that's very technologically difficult, um, but you know they've surrounded themselves with lots of people who know how to do it, and it's really awesome. It's really cool. So those type of stories about looking at mere mortals who were making this happen was uh, inspirational to me because I thought, hey, if these guys can do it, maybe I can too. And they have done a phenomenal job running their company, and I hope to have a fraction of the success that they're having. Um, so it's true, Scott. Like I am not, you know, the person who is, you know, deciding, you know, what we're going to feed our microbes. But uh, we have a lot of people here who do, who are really great scientists. Again, microbiologists and fermentation scientists and chemical engineers and so on, who uh, can figure out how we can uh, mimic meat without animals. And when you were when you were putting this team together, did you try and find money for the company first, or did you try and find the people first? 
Well, um, we needed money because, uh, you know, we, we had a, uh, just three people at the very beginning. And while the first couple months were volunteer, it became evident very quickly that, you know, these, these people had left their jobs to do this. Some of them, you know, were lucrative jobs that they left. Like we had to pay people. So we ended up raising a pre-seed round and it became oversubscribed. And we ended up just continuing to raise on the safe, the simple agreement for future equity that we were utilizing. And so we anticipated raising um, a, a pretty big pre-seed round. Like we thought maybe we would try to raise like around 500,000 which is you know pretty big for a pre-seed round, um, but we ended up raising 1.6 million in that round. Uh, there was just a lot of Very demand impressive. for what we Congratulations, were doing. by the way. That's really that's pretty yeah. good for a seed round, a pre-seed round actually. Yeah. Thank you. A, yeah. a pre-seed round. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. Then we later did a, a seed round, which after we had advanced our technology and shown what we could do at the bench scale, we uh, went on to a seed round, which we raised about 8.25 million. And then we've since done a $2 million convertible note. So we've raised about $12 million approximately to date in the last three and a half years or so. Um, but that's been enough to help us build a, a fairly sizable demonstration scale fermentation facility here. So in the fermentation world, there's really four scales. There's bench scale, pilot scale, demonstration scale, and then full scale. So we're not yet at the full scale level. That's our next step. We need to go out and, and raise our Series A round to be able to afford the capital expenditures that we needed to put all that steel on the ground. But we're very getting good. there. Uh, we're, okay. we're really close. Very good. Okay. Yeah. And, and then also, I want to I want to tee up uh, the industry as a whole. So where how has the industry evolved, and what spot do you fit in the industry in in 2021? Because we all see all these different yeah. options, and we see how it's sort of evolved over the past few years. But I don't think anybody who's not in the industry can actually put a, a finger on what the difference is with the 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 protein alternatives that you would see now versus two, three years ago or more. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of changes that have occurred. So even if you go back to way more than two or three years, but if you look at meat alternatives, they go back a thousand years. So in early China, um, more than a thousand years ago, there is still a written plant-based meat recipe uh, to make mock lamb. And then you fast forward to like the 19th century, you had people like John Harvey Kellogg who were making uh, products that were meat replacements. And he even has the first patent on a plant-based meat from 1899. Then you fast forward another like 75 or so years and you get companies like Light Life and Tofurky that are making products that are really designed for vegetarians, um, but they weren't fooling carnivores. They were, you know, they're basically vegetarians like them. Uh, but then when you get to about five or so years ago, you get companies like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat that are trying to make products that will actually be for diehard carnivores, something that really fully mimics the meat experience so that people can enjoy meat the, without needing animals, right? And that change shifted what the universe of potential customers were because the number of people who are vegetarian and vegan is very small compared to the number of people who are omnivores, right? You know, it's, it's like 95 to 5 there. And so all of a sudden, you have this huge universe of people who, yes, they're omnivores, but they're happy to eat plant-based every once in a while, especially if it still tastes the same as meat. And those companies really paved a new pathway. Now, what's similar about them is that they both are making plant-based meat, meaning they are taking plants like peas and soybeans and converting them into things that look like an animal's flesh. You have a whole other category of folks who don't go to the plant kingdom at all. They go to the animal kingdom, and they're, though, using animal cells 
This is what's commonly called clean meat or cultivated meat. This isn't a meat substitute or meat replacement. It is actually real animal meat that is simply grown from animal cells rather than coming from animal slaughter. And those companies are, are just starting to commercialize now. Their products are being sold, for example, in Singapore. And pretty soon Qatar says they're going to be doing it. Hopefully the U.S. will approve the sale of these products too. But what we at the Better Meat Co., to answer your question directly, Scott, are doing is not going to the plant kingdom and not going to the animal kingdom. We are going to okay. the fungi kingdom. And what we're doing is, so what we do, if you imagine like the evolutionary tree of life, right? You've got plants over here, you got animals over here. There's a whole other kingdom called fungi. And fungi are not in the middle here. They're right next to animals, right next to animals. So they're way, way more similar to animals than they are to plants. And just as an example, Scott, so you know, we all know plants breathe in CO2 and sequester it and they breathe out oxygen. Well, animals do the opposite, right? We breathe in oxygen and we breathe out CO2. Well, fungi are so much closer to animals that they do the same that we do. They breathe in oxygen, they breathe out CO2. Similarly, like plants have to put themselves in the sun and photosynthesize. That's how they basically eat. Whereas like us, fungi have to search out their food and digest it and consume it and so on. So, you know, it's just the point is that fungi are much more closely related to animals than they are to plants. That's why mushrooms have a far meatier texture than plants do. In fact, in Asian cuisine, mushrooms have been used for centuries as a meat substitute. There's a problem, though, which is that mushrooms don't really have a lot of protein. And even though they may be more meat-like, they are not necessarily meat identical. That is where we come in. What we do is we don't use mushrooms. We use microscopic fungi that are called mycelium. It's like the root-like structure underneath what you would see in the fungi's body. So mm -hmm. the mushroom is like a fruiting body, like an apple on a tree. And then the mycelium is more like the root structure underneath it, to use a, an analogy to the plant kingdom. And so what we do is we run a, a fermentation where we feed our microscopic fungi potatoes. And just in the same way that a cow eats grass and converts it into a steak, our little microscopic fungi consume potatoes and change it into something that looks like meat. Although unlike a cow who takes more than a year of feeding her before you slaughter her, our little fungi are harvested in less than a single day. So we're going from a potato, which is only 1% protein, into a meat-like product that's about 45% protein, all in less than a single day. That is the efficiency when you remove animals from the equation we can do this much faster and a product that is much healthier. So unlike meat, it doesn't have any cholesterol or saturated fat, but it does have fiber, which meat does not have. So, you know, animals have skeletons. That's what holds us up. Well, plants don't have skeletons and fungi don't have skeletons. They have fiber. That's what holds them up. And nearly everybody you've ever met, Scott, is fiber deficient. More than nine out of 10 Americans don't hit the fiber RDA uh, that is recommended for us to consume. And fiber deficiency is really serious. It's not just that you'll have constipation, which is bad enough, but it also is correlated with colon cancer and all these other really serious ailments. So, our meat, so to speak, is high in protein. In fact, it's higher in protein than eggs. But at the same time, it's also really high in fiber. It has more iron than beef, more potassium than bananas. And because it's a product of microbial fermentation, it contains vitamin B12, which plant foods do not. So this is like a real superfood that we are producing in a matter of mere hours. And I believe it's going to be the future of meat because it's a far more meat-like texture and meaty experience than having to use uh, extruded plant protein isolates, which is what's currently used in the uh, plant-based meat industry. So the shorter, the short summation to a long answer to your question, Scott, is you know, some people are taking plants and turning them into things like look like animal flesh. 
other companies are using actual animal cells and just making animal flesh that way without raising whole or whole animals. What we're doing is using microscopic fungi to create a meat experience for people that is way yeah, more that efficient. That makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting. So animals. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, ExpressVPN. Now, I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't I just go incognito mode? Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you delete your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without ExpressVPN. And it doesn't matter who your internet service provider is, ISPs in the US can legally sell your information to ad companies. So what is ExpressVPN? Well, ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. When I'm using ExpressVPN, I can't even tell that it's on. It runs seamlessly in the background and it is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap a button and you're protected. And what's great is it's available on all your devices. So your phone, your computer, even your smart TV. There's really no excuse for you not to be using it. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that was rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash success story, and you can get three months free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash success story, expressvpn.com slash success story to learn more. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting. So the 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 obviously the the plant the plant based and I'm going to simplify because I'm so you you're fungi based plant based then there's obviously just true meat based so the meat based yeah. is just regular meat there's no value added uh, nutrition in it it's just regular meat yeah and you you meat, could you could so you could either create meat that's identical to the meat that's out there today or you could yeah. make it even better so for example what if you could make the meat without the cholesterol or what yeah. if you could make it, you know, instead of saturated fat, it has omega-3 fatty acids. So instead of a burger that causes heart attacks, maybe it's one that prevents them. Um, you know, there's all types of improvements you could do, but you don't have to. But so the, the follow-up question is, the follow-up question is, um, which which one is the quote-unquote healthiest, right? Because <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think the, the, the first thing people say is not, not oh, I don't want to eat, uh, you know, a meat alternative or protein alternative because it's a protein alternative. Like people may have like a little bit of a psychological aversion to certain ways of producing it, but that can probably be rectified in time if they just try it once and they like it. And then of course, right. like the taste profile texture is all important when you're eating the food, but then they look and they see, well, I've heard this is like anecdotal, but this is like, not like, you know, first, 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 first experience, but they see like all these extra ingredients added in and they're like, well, how could this be healthy when I see right. all these other things in that ingredient profile? So is that is that something that was more with the tofurkeys or is that still a concern with certain types of protein alternatives that would turn people off? Sure. Yeah, great question. So, you know, first and foremost, I agree with the premise of your question, which is that I think if people enjoy the taste, that's going to, you know, trump everything else, essentially. Uh, people, you know, taste is still as king. Um, price is queen. Um, and then, you know, whether the food is convenient to consume is like, prints really mm -hmm. um the other factors that you're talking about i do think some people are concerned about it but you know most people are you know going to fast food restaurants and, and you know just buying you know food that you know is maybe not the most healthy 
Now, at the same time, uh, you know, I do think like some of the plant-based meats today do have maybe between like 15 to 20 ingredients in them. But I do think it's a mistake to conclude that means it's not healthy because a lot of these are, you know, minor ingredients. They might, you know, have lots of different spices in them and so on. Like the number of ingredients really doesn't tell you much about whether something is healthy or not. But to answer your question, you know, our products from the Better Meat Co. are short label because our mycoprotein is so functional and so good that you don't need a lot of other ingredients. It's really a, such a wonderful product that you just don't have to add a lot else to actually make it into something that tastes like meat. So I would say the, the bigger concerns would be looking at things like saturated fat and uh, things like that. And uh, yeah, like some products do have coconut oil added to them and that's a contributor to saturated fat, but not all of them do. And um, ours certainly don't. And so, you know, I'm uh, I'm a fan of the space because I think that what it's replacing is so different, right? Mm-hmm. So we are trying to replace meat. We're not trying to replace a kale salad. Trust me. You know, if you walk into Burger King and you are getting an Impossible Whopper or a regular Whopper, and you're thinking, oh, well, the Impossible Whopper is the health food. You know, it's not as good as a kale salad, right? It's not as good as lentil soup, but it's better than conventional Whopper. You can zero cholesterol. Um, and, and more. So there's a, there are benefits to alternative meats today over conventional meat, even if they aren't necessarily like always uh, as healthy as as you know going to the salad bar. Very interesting. Okay, I want to. Um, I also want to. I want to tee up some just some business insights, some some entrepreneurial insights. So walk me through like the the market because you do have some competitors. But when you were taking this product to market, did you have pushback? Did you have issues? How did you distribute it? How do you do something like this in a market that's probably evolving as you're as you're trying to build out your company? Yes, you're you're absolutely right. So we are very deep on scientific expertise and figuring out how to run fermentations. Uh, where we the lack is like you know we don't really have a team of marketing and salespeople, right? Like that's just not our forte. Mm-hmm. And so it's been tough. Now, admittedly, we're a B2B ingredients company, right? We're not trying to make a CPG branded product here. We're, we want to offer the alternative meat makers today a better ingredient to make their products with. And there aren't that many competitors for us in that sense. Uh, there are people who are selling things like pea protein or soy protein, et cetera. But for mycoprotein, there's not a lot of B2B marketing of that ingredient. So we don't have that many competitors on that front. Uh, but uh, we will need them. You know, this is a huge opportunity, a huge space. The world is big enough for McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's, even though they're all selling fast food, burger, and fries. Um, there'll be room for many different mycoprotein ingredients companies. So we're uh, not the only company uh, that is interested in using fungi fermentation to mimic the meat experience. Um, I think we're the most advanced in terms of the early stage startups in this space, but um, you know, there's other good ones out there and I'm rooting for their success too, to be honest. That'll help. That'll help you too. That'll, that'll help shape the the industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like rising tides lift all boats, but honestly, man, I mean, I'm a fan of the space because of the promise that it holds to solve a really serious problem. So I don't think we can do it by ourselves. And, you know, even if it didn't help us, I I still would be rooting for their success, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, But I, I, I think that, I, I do think that we are the most advanced in that space uh, in terms of like the earlier stage and, companies. And I just want to like, I just want to like call it out. Like if, if I, I don't, I don't know meat alternatives that well, I, I'm, I still eat a lot of meat. So I, I think we should have done like a, like a live taste test or something. <laughs> we should have done like a blind taste oh, test. That'd be fun. But Dude, go, 
come come to Sacramento, man. Yeah. We'd love to have you here. It would be great for you to, to No, because I think that um I'm just I was looking at your site as we're talking, right? I'm just looking at you and like man, like some of those pictures, those look like it's making me hungry. So I wanna just see I wanna see if nice. it like tastes as good as 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 it looks, but like it doesn't look it, it, it doesn't does. look like does. anything different. I don't know how else to put it. Like That's right. Yeah, that yeah, that's the goal. You know, that's the goal is we, we want to do is to give you that experience. It's kind of Scott like flicking a light switch yeah. on in a room, right? So, you know, you walk into a room, you flick a light switch. What you're after is the experience yeah. of light. You want an illuminated room, right? You're not sitting there thinking, oh, is this coming from renewable energy? Is it coming from coal? Is it coming from oil? You don't even think about it. You just want light. Well, people just want meat, right? I don't think that people when they eat meat are thinking to themselves, oh, I'm so glad an animal of was slaughtered. Of course not, this, no. Right? They like, don't, they don't think, even yeah. think about yeah. it, right? And Right. And and if they did think about it, they might actually prefer that an animal not be slaughtered for it if they had their preference. Uh, so I want to mimic the meat experience for people so they don't even have to think about it. So when you are, you know, flicking your light switch on, you know, it's maybe coming from solar energy and you don't even contemplate it. That's what we want is so that when you look at it, when you taste it, yeah. when you chew it, that it is the same and you just can't tell the difference. That's when if we can mimic that experience for a cheaper price, we will win. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Peloton. Peloton is pushing you further with so much new on the Peloton Bike and Peloton Bike Plus. New classes, new music, new ways to keep your workouts motivating and exciting. And if you're going to commit to a healthy lifestyle, you have to make it part of your lifestyle. It cannot just be a one-off. So any way to make sure that it's fun and fresh, that's how you stick with it. Now there's a few new additions for the new year that Peloton is bringing, boxing, new artist series, music selections, and more daily workout variety. With their boxing, whether or not you've boxed before or you've never stepped into the ring, you can now discover a fast, fun, and furious boxing workout with Peloton instructors in your corner. They're adding new music. Work out to a single artist for an entire class or from your favorite hits to the deep cuts. There are over 100 artist series to choose from. Find your favorite music and turn your next workout into a concert. And more daily workout variety. So key, it's easier to stick to your goals when you keep your workouts interesting. Peloton has a workout for every goal, day, and mood. De-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength and 20 minutes of cardio or do a quick 15-minute total body class before work. Stay motivated while having fun with bike workouts, yoga, meditation, dance, cardio, and more. So whatever your goals are, if you're trying to see a better you, a healthier you in 2022, visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's OnePeloton.com, O-N-E-P-E-L-E-T-O-N.com. The cheaper price, better better nutritional profile. Um, have you have you done like a, like a blind taste test against somebody that eats meat? I'm just curious, because that would be the ultimate litmus test, right? If you yeah. can, if somebody can't tell the difference. Uh, we, we do it all the time, actually. So we have regular yeah. focus groups that are blind and we do various uh, iterations and uh, we do routinely have people who say, oh, I, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't know. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's gotten to that point. I'm ignorant. I don't know. I, I don't know. Has a, I, I'm glad we had the conversation because I had no idea how far yeah. it's come. And I guess uh, I've seen it all, but I still, I, I guess I've had like a, like an apprehension towards, is there too much in some of these and. That's why I just haven't wanted to go to fast food. You just, I just order what I already know. And that's yeah, another thing well, too. I just order what I already know. I just default to like the, the status it, it's quo. It's true. 
It, it's true, but I mean, you know, go look at the ingredient deck on chicken nuggets and fast food restaurants. I mean, there's You're not wrong. lots of ingredients. I mean, lots <laughs> of ingredients. There's just lots of ingredients. So, and and that just in in all fairness, like lots of ingredients does not necessarily mean bad. If you get a vegetable soup, it might have 20 ingredients in there, right? But yeah. it doesn't mean that that's bad just because there are numerous ingredients. Um, now, if you start seeing ingredients on there, like, you know, trans fats or other things, I think that's a problem. But I, I like to just look at the nutritional panel, right? Yeah. Like, you know, is, is it packed with sodium and saturated fat and cholesterol or not? Uh, those are the things that I would be concerned about. Um, and, you know, if you are looking for protein, you're going to be happy with all these products. There's, you know, most of these things, most of these burgers in the all protein space are packing like 20 grams of protein. Our mycoprotein that we we, we uh, grow here through fermentation is a complete protein, complete amino acid profile. Uh, and for those of you who are concerned about protein digestibility and you actually know what PDCAS means, uh, it's like the digestibility score for various okay. foods and for various proteins. Proteins. Um, ours is a 0.96, which uh, 1.0 is the highest you can get. So it's pretty near perfect. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of benefits to getting your protein without all the baggage associated with animal products. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I also wanted to just, um, cause you, you evangelize a lot, uh, regarding just, well, you're, you're, you have a podcast, so, uh, I always give people the opportunity to drop their stuff, but I just wanted to speak about your podcast in particular because it's called Business for Good Podcast. So you evangelize a lot of good ethical practices just for business in general. So what are what are some things that like get you excited, not just about your industry, but just about ethical, social, socially responsible business, some things that maybe you highlight on your show or things that the average person just doesn't know and should potentially look into more or or get behind that's something that you know is a is something that we yeah. really have to address in the world of business sure so uh, it's very kind of you scott to bring it up so I, I host the business for good podcast and we spotlight companies that are making a that are not a matter of like you know companies that just have like good practices it's companies where the very core of their business is to solve a serious problem so for example we feature companies that are creating alternatives to plastic that can be substituted so you know things like um, fermentation based uh, plastic alternatives so that they're they'll biodegrade or uh, other companies that are for example uh, dealing with ways to neutralize and store nuclear waste um, or one of my favorite episodes is one that we just did, which uh, looks at the death industry. And so right now, you know, most most people are getting cremated these days. And that's like one final act of pollution, right? It's a lot of air pollution, a lot of greenhouse gases in order to cremate yourself. Well, you could then also just get buried in a casket, but that's a big problem too, because they're cutting down trees to make all these coffins and they put a concrete liner in there. They hermetically seal you off from the rest of the world down there, uh, which is not what, you know, not, not what you want. You want to recycle your nutrients back into nature. So uh, one company run by a woman named Katrina Spade, her company's called Recompose. And what they've done is invented and patented a method of actual human composting. And they've created a center in, in uh, Seattle where you can... Basically, just like you pre-order a plot in a cemetery, you pre-order your own composting. And they've changed laws now in Washington, Oregon, and Colorado to allow for this real human composting method. And they have done uh, scores upon scores of human compost, where it's really cool, where they can create rich soil that you can either then you know put in your garden, you know, if you're if you're a surviving family member, 
or you can you know put it in a national park to give better soil there uh, and so on but so these are basically companies that are actually solving some serious problem to make the world a better place whether environmentally or maybe from an animal welfare perspective or a public health perspective or more and uh, I, it's been a fun ride for me we've done about 75 episodes to date where we're recording this in September of 2021 to see just mm-hmm. how many entrepreneurs uh, are out there trying to use innovation to solve serious problems. It's really inspirational for me to be able to do it. It, it is inspirational. And and I'm putting you on, on the spot here. So if you, if you don't have a resource, that's totally okay. But do you have a resource or a group or a place that people who care about socially responsible companies can go and find out more yeah. about just like, obviously you can check out your podcast, but I mean, like, are, is there, is there councils or is there organizations that support these types of efforts in particular? Yeah, absolutely, Scott. So especially in the alternative protein space, there's a great nonprofit organization that provides extensive resources for free. It's called the Good Food Institute. Their website is gfi.org. And they have enormous numbers of resources. So they've got guides on how to start your own company. They have databases of all the investors in this space so you can figure out who's interested in what. They have an entire spreadsheet just on potential co-founders. So people are looking for other co-founders to start companies with. And you can see their LinkedIn and what their specialty and their interests are. So they can find somebody who's, you know, complementary to you. If you, for example, have a business background, you need a technical scientific co-founder, go in there and find that. So uh, again, the Good Food Institute is really good resources for, um, for entrepreneurs who want to get involved in the alternative protein space. Amazing. Okay. And then I'm going to do some rapid fire to pull some career insights out of you. Um, but before we pivot, was there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to speak about? Um, and also, I got to get all your socials, websites, so drop that as well. Sure. Uh, you know, the only thing I'd say is that, you know, I, I've now uh, been running a startup for the last three and a half years. And, you know, the saying that when you start your own company, you'll sleep like a baby because you're going to wake up every two hours and cry. And so <laughs> I've never, I, I've never heard yeah. that one before. And, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of feel it, right? There's always challenges. There's yeah. always hurdles. Like every day, you know, I come home, my wife asks me, what are the, be- the, the best and the worst things that happen today? And usually they're both pretty, uh, pretty substantial. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of challenges. But the thing that I would really recommend for those who want to take the entrepreneurial plunge is simply to start. Don't ge- don't become paralyzed by analyzing things. Don't try to read all the books. Like I'm not against that, but you know, if you want to learn how to play soccer, nobody's going to tell you, "Hey, go read some books on how to play soccer." They tell you to go get on the field and start practicing. So if you want to learn about startups and entrepreneurialism, either maybe join a startup or start your own uh, and actually start practicing on the field. Um, the problems that the planet and humanity are facing are very severe. They're very urgent. They're in need of rectification in, in very, very rapidly. And so we just don't have time. We don't have the luxury to wait around for you to solve these problems. So I'd encourage you to get in the game and, uh, and start shooting the ball. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, it's hard to build a business. It's hard to make your dreams a reality when it feels like you're spending all your time working on your CRM, working on mundane admin tasks. But the HubSpot CRM platform is purpose-built for scaling with your business and those big dreams of yours, so it's impossible to outgrow. Now, HubSpot has intuitive visual workflows. It has bot builders. The HubSpot CRM platform can automate campaigns across your website, email, social media, digital ads, and chat for clear communication across all your channels, zero mixed messages. 
with the HubSpot Teams feature. You can organize your account by teams and segment leads, sort through content, and easily view team performance reports and KPI dashboards. And thanks to sequences, you can create flows that automate sales outreach, follow-up, timed personalized emails so you can scale your customer relationships like never before. The HubSpot CRM platform is easy to implement and ready to scale, so dream big. Learn more about the HubSpot CRM platform and how it can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Amazing. And, and then also, where do people reach out, connect with you, social, website, all of that? And also uh, also for Better Meat. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Our website is bettermeat.co. Again, bettermeat.co. And if you're interested in my book, Clean Meat, you can buy it anywhere books are sold, or you can go to the book's official website, which is just cleanmeat.com. Again, cleanmeat.com. And you can get in touch with me through any of those websites. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, so we'll do some rapid fire and feel free to you know extrapolate or keep it as, as short as you'd like. It's totally up to you, um, <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, biggest challenge you've overcome in your own personal life. What was that? Uh, you know, I'm very grateful to have a wife who is like extremely supportive and a wonderful uh, person. And uh, we, I, I wonder how I ever survived uh, without her and without being married. So that that was a challenge in and of itself, I can assure you for many reasons, but I'm very grateful to have uh, survived that period and uh, gone on to being in, in a marriage, which I'm very happy about. Amazing. And that now you're going to answer two questions at once, because the next question is, who was a person who was really impactful in your life and what did they teach you? Yeah, well, I, I won't give the easy answer and say my wife. Instead, okay. I'm actually going to mention a guy named Paul Schwartz. So Paul Schwartz is a uh, retired entrepreneur. He's now in his 70s, and he did, he did some really cool companies and did very well for himself. And uh, my wife and I were living in his uh, in his house. We were renting from him when I decided to start this company. And he really uh, took me under his wing and helped to uh, not only become an initial investor in the company, but also to really help guide the business-oriented aspects of the company and teach me about that, which I knew very little, if, if anything, about at all. And even to this day, three and a half years later, he still acts as, essentially as a pro bono CFO to our company. Uh, so Paul Schwartz, uh, who at our company, my name is Paul Shapiro. He's Paul Schwartz, so we call him Paul Sr. and me, Paul Jr. Um, and uh, he, he's been a, a great mentor. Amazing. Um, uh, do you have a book or podcast or some sort of resource you'd recommend people go check out that's helped you? Um, yeah, there, there are so many that it, it's hard to, um, <laughs> I know. It, it's hard to like, you know, only pick one, but I, I will say that, um, I have, uh, learned from listening to masters of scale, which is of course, Reed Hoffman's mm -hmm. podcast, which is really useful. He's the founder of LinkedIn, co-founder of LinkedIn rather. And, uh, I, I've learned from it and, and really enjoyed it. Very good. Um, if you could tell your, oh, oh, oh. And, and, oh and, and one book, I tell you, shoe dog was really inspirational. Oh, shoe me, dog, so. Phil Knight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. That's a yeah. very good one. Uh, His, he's, yeah. he, so had that's right. a, he had a mess of a, he had a mess of a company. Like he had a mess of a yeah. story, yeah. but it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So Phil Knight's the founder of Nike and you know, he basically tells about all the near death experiences <laughs> they had and all the problems that they had. And like, it's amazing that they overcame all of them. So I was inspired by that story because, you know, I, I always like to, read stories about people who have succeeded in spite of like tremendous adversity because that gives me like when people fail 
it makes them not only more human, but it also makes them more relatable for me. That way, when I'm thinking, oh, you know, I fell down, I can get up just like they did. And so just hearing about success, like, you know, you think about like, you know, people are like, oh, all I do is win. Like, I don't really want to hear that, you know, because that's not me. I can't relate to it. I want to hear about people who lost, people who failed and they got back up and moved, kept moving forward. You know, it's kind of like the uh, the great philosopher, Rocky Balboa, of course, uh, who said, you know, in life, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And that is how winning is done. Those are the stories that I want to hear. People who got hit, people who fell down and they got back up. And so if you like that type of a story, go read Shoe Dog. It's really good. Amen. Good. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. Um, if you could tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Oh, God, there's so many things, Scott. We don't have time. Time. I, I know I know there may not be officially a time limit here, but there's so much. But you know, one of the things I would have thought about back then that I wish I would have thought about was whether the nonprofit route could do as much good for the problem that I'm trying to solve, which is feeding humanity sustainably without destroying the planet in the process, um, or whether we just need more technological innovation. Like maybe instead of doing what I did, uh, maybe I would have been better off actually studying things like microbiology, or maybe I would have been better off becoming an entrepreneur two decades earlier. So I don't know, you know, you can't go back and, and, and redo the game, unfortunately. Um, and I'm proud of what I accomplished in my career in the nonprofit space. Uh, I worked with some phenomenal people who I, I'm so grateful for those experiences. But I do think like if I could go back and do it over, I might have started trying to commercialize animal free meats two decades earlier. And maybe we'd be in a different boat now if, if we had done that. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then last question, what does success mean to you? I want to make the world a better place by as defined as saying there's less suffering and more happiness in the world because I had lived, right? So every one of us is causing suffering every day. So we're creating pollution, we're hurting people's feelings inadvertently, like all these things that we do that are just creating a trail of suffering. But we can also try to alleviate suffering on the planet. And I really believe that one of the greatest causes of suffering is raising animals for food. It's a huge cause of animal suffering. It's a huge cause of human suffering, climate change, and more. And so what I'm trying to do is to alleviate more suffering than I cause, so that I can realistically believe at the end of my life that there was less suffering on the planet because I had existed than if I had never been born. That's what I want to accomplish, and that's what success would look like for me. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works. One data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials, but here's the 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 